Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast, where we share how functional core rehab can actually change your life. We share the stories of clients and professionals who have done Tummy Team programs, and we share so much more than that. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm passionate about helping people find profound healing beyond the physical healing, but also emotional healing to be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. Welcome back to the Tummy Team Journey podcast. This is Kelly Dean. Um, I'm your host and I'm the founder of the Tummy Team. And we have a really great interview today with an online client, Stephanie from Virginia. And Stephanie is here to tell us a little bit about her story and kind of how, what's going on with her core rehab and her body and her journey. So hi, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Well, First things we always say is kind of like, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your family, you, you, what you do, kind of what maybe led you to the tummy team. Um, well, I'm 42 years old. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm aging myself there. I'm 40 years old. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about (laughs) my sister and, um, some of the stuff we were talking about (laughs) earlier today. Um, and I have, two children. I have a little girl who's six and a little boy who's three. Actually, she just turned seven and he's three. Um, and um, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Um, and um, I live in a very rural area with my husband, my dog and my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What so, so can you tell me a little bit about where breast cancer was in your journey of motherhood? Was it before, in the middle, after? It was in the middle. Um, my daughter was 15 months old and she was nursing and had hit me in my uh, right breast. And afterwards it was just sore and it just, I couldn't figure out why. And then I felt the lump and um, I guess it was the, um, tumor was like pressing on a nerve at that point. And that's why I was having like some weird pain that I couldn't quite pinpoint where it was at. Um, so it was one of those situations that was kind of initially slow to get going because of getting an ultrasound. It was kind of, I don't know, the, um, place I was supposed to get it done at was closed. And then it took a while for me to get scheduled somewhere else. So I found the lump in like February and was able to get an ultrasound in April. Oh, and yeah. So, um, that kind of, you know, was a little hard there once kind of, you're like, Oh, all that time, even though it's not a lot of time, but at the same time, feels like it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So from there, um, I went in and the radiologist was like, you know, if I would say you had breast cancer, but I can't say for sure, certain because you're breastfeeding too. And it's hard to tell. Um, but he said, if you weren't breastfeeding, I would say you have cancer. Um, and you know, I'm left in a room waiting for a nurse to come out for a while and oh my take me goodness. to the breast care center, which they couldn't get me in to see me that day. And, So that was just kind of, you know, 
the whole diagnosis is traumatic. Yeah, it was just weird. And then I actually got, you know, when I was able to get in and have, you know, the biopsy done, when the results came back, I got a phone call telling me what happened versus, you know, a one-on-one session, which was kind of weird, um, in my opinion. And it was very, you know, shocking and disbelief, um, you know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then in that, so, so this is all when you have a, your first baby is under like 18 months old, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's, that point, you know, they did testing and they found out it was triple negative and they wanted to take me immediately in for surgery um, and then, you know, start chemo. But I was like, you know, I want to have more children and I don't, you know, I don't know what chemo is going to do to me. Is there anything we can do about that? And the nurse at the doctor's office was like, you know, Livestrong does a um, grant um, to help in those situations. And so she was really helpful and got me through all that. And so in between my mastectomy and starting chemo, I did fertility. Um, and we were able to, um, get two embryos from that. Okay. Okay. And that was just like a lot of, a lot of them, like separately, those are intense things. And then to kind of put it together in almost that 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 fertility those fertility procedures are kind of in a desperate time crunch situation yeah holy smokes okay all right carry on and then and then how long did you have to go through chemo um i had two different types of chemo i had initially an ac combo which was like every other week over um an 8 week period and then i had 12 rounds of um Taxol, um, which was weekly, so 12 weeks. And then they found like microscopic cells on a lymph node. Um, so they did radiation. And so it was, it was, you know, I started chemo, I want to say in at the end of May, and I finished everything up in December of that year. It was 2016. I was, you know, okay. when it all happened, I was 34. Okay. Um so yeah, which is really young. Yeah. yeah, and I think you just kind of go into survivor mode, and you don't sure. really process. Like I didn't really realize like any that it was like considered a traumatic event <laughs> until right. one day I went. I was pregnant with my son, and I went into a nurse nurse office, and she was like getting my history, and she's like, "Any trauma?" And she's like, "Oh, well, I would say breast cancer or trauma." I was like, "Oh, I hadn't really thought about that." <laughs> You were too busy surviving to even process it. And I think that that's that's the common denominator with all trauma is our our survival instincts are strong and they override everything. And when do we shift out of survival back into healthy living, right? Like, does it even happen? For some people, I feel like it's it's a really you know, it's a question mark. Right. And so sometimes like another pregnancy, another, you know, is, is kind of the wake up call or another birth or something else that where you're like, okay, I'm having a hard time even wanting, I want to have joy in this. And I can't even feel experience joy because I've numbed out all my feelings. 
It's hard to numb out just negative feelings. That's That's the thing about trauma and trauma. The residue of trauma is you want to say, I'm just going to numb out and shut down the bad stuff, but I don't think you can just shut out the bad stuff. It kind of, it kind of dampens all of the stuff and it's hard to feel any of the good stuff too. Um, did, was it when you, um, with your pregnancy with your son, was that, that, uh, process and procedure, was that traumatic or did that go smoothly? What happened there? Well, prior to my son, like I, it was, you know, I had some other stuff that kind of happened and I also ended up, um, pregnant naturally but I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, around the time that, you know, I went into, you know, my husband and I were like, okay, well, after the miscarriage, it was like, you know, I was trying to process it, but I I still had all this other stuff that I hadn't dealt with either. And I just went back in just to like ramming forward and okay, whatever, let's just push forward. And mm-hmm we were like, okay, well, let's, you know, do an embryo transfer. And so I had a miscarriage in in, um, December. Um, It was actually on Christmas Day. Well, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And um, which was, that was kind of like weird too, because I went to the emergency room and the doctor gave, like, did a pap smear, which I found out later was like, why would he even do that? Um, but so we ended up having the transfer from then done into May and, you know, that was just, I felt like at that point I was just kind of, you know, numb to it all, but I did have a lot of anxiety built up about the transfer and, um, you know, built into that going well and it turned out really well. I have my beautiful son. Um, from it and um was most of the pregnancy kind of um haunted with some anxiety or did you feel like there were times that you kind of got over a hump and you could enjoy some of it I was I I mean I had some moments of enjoyment of it but also like I was consumed with a lot of anxiety because with my daughter I had a c-section and I didn't want that to happen again. And I felt pressed into that and kind of led into that direction. And so I took a completely different step with him. And um, I was like, okay, I want a doula this time. And a doula led me to a midwife and I had him at home. Mm. And it was, you know, it was really, really hard. Um, but, you know, it was really great at the same time that, you know, my body being able to do that and handle that. And, um, but you know, I, my body was such a wreck after, you know, having chemo and everything else. And then, you know, not taking the best care of myself in between all that too. You can see that now you can kind of, you were powering through and surviving, but that didn't really create your body was also, um, undergoing a lot of stuff like fighting the cancer and experiencing the chemo and the radiation and all the trauma and the anxiety connected to all the stress with that. And then the miscarriage 
And then just that power through mentality and the anxiety of that pregnancy, you know, so setting yourself up physically for like the most physically challenging thing you're ever going to do, you know, it, you weren't really physically set up for success, but I can see, I can hear what you're saying, how, like, even though this was incredibly hard, it was empowering too, because so many of the other health experiences, you kind of were at the mercy of whoever was doing what they were doing, right? You had yeah. no, no control. And even though this was brutal, probably, it you you had a say in it. You had, you know, you had the say in what you were doing. And that there's a lot of um there's a lot of healing that comes from that. Yeah. But it, it doesn't replace the fact that the birth was probably really hard. Yeah, I ended up he he was face up and I ended up pushing for like two and a half hours and I had like major back labor mm. pains and but it was, you know, it was very empowering to do it that way. And, you know, I was so blessed um having been able to do it that way. Um because I was, you know, really concerned I wasn't gonna be able to. But right. And how was birth recovery after, after your son was, um, was that what led, what, at what point, what led you to the tummy team and in that direction? Where were you at when that part well, happened? When that happened, like my sister was kind of, you know, into like getting, she has DR and mm -hmm. she kind of introduced me to some things like Katie Bowman. And I mm -hmm. found out about like Beth Learn, we're fit mm -hmm. to be. And then I found out about you guys through fit to be. And, um, you know, once I started feeling like I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do something about myself because my back is just like, woo, <laughs> my back and some other stuff is just not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I started kind of searching around and I bought the course, but it was a while before, you know, I attempted it and, um, core foundations is the, course yeah, the core foundations. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I bought it and I had done like two weeks of it, but things were just so crazy with the baby and, um, it just kind of went to the wayside. And then my husband and I were talking about doing, you know, once, he was, you know, once he got closer to two, we were talking about doing an embryo transfer because they told me I had to stop breastfeeding at that point, which, you know, I only have one breast. So, mm -hmm. um, this side got a, my left side got a lot of work breastfeeding and, you know, that's all out of whack. And I was like, I know this will help that too with mm -hmm. certain things and movements. And, um, but I was like, I want to be more prepared for having another child if we do another transfer and um yeah that was just kind of you know I was I had I started going to in preparation I started going and getting abdominal massages mm -hmm. um it was like an hour away a little over an hour away to drive and I was seeing um a traditional Chinese herbalist um and because I was having like such a hard time with sleep. I was getting like, you know, three to four hours of sleep at night. Um, and I know a lot of that was just because I wasn't processed. I hadn't processed a lot of things. Right. You're and, so much stress in your body. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you and- kind of have this, this level of anxiety that you've maybe normalized, but isn't actually normal. No, definitely your body, your body can't sustain it. Mm-mm. Do you feel like, so you started Core Foundations and our, you know, anybody that's done our course or listened to an era podcast know that we don't shy away from talking about the emotional stuff and from actually, you know, drawing it a little bit of attention to it, you know, and actually um, talking about the component that that emotional side of things plays in the healing process. And um, sometimes that, that is what kind of creates a speed bump for people that, I mean, there's no way around it. Honestly, we can't pretend that the emotional stuff we, I mean, we can't just give you exercises and, 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 and expect your body to have complete healing when we're missing like this important piece. And so when, when we start bringing that stuff up, you know, the, the tens tendency of clients is okay, whoa, I didn't know we were going to go here, but I'm, I'm going to just tentatively keep walking forward or I am going to need to take a pause because I'm not quite ready for this. This is a bit much and I'm not sure if I can go forward. And does it feel like I know you said there's other stuff going on in your life, but does it feel like that's where it kind of, it felt like I'm not sure if I'm ready to go into all this stuff or did it feel like, I know I need to go there, but I need to have a little bit more tools till I get there. I think it was, I know I need to get there, but I need more tools to get there because I started the course and I got to week five about the time that, um, we had planned on doing the transfer in May again, just, that's mm-hmm. just how it worked out. But my herbalist, you know, she suggested against it because, you know, she was like, you're not sleeping well still, your pulses are irregular still, and, you know, some other things going on, you know, just give it until, you know, give it six months and we'll reassess. And, you know, that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks too. And in trying to do the course, I was like, you know, I want my body to heal, but at the same time, I was having such a hard time processing it all. And I was like, mm-hmm. at that time, I was like, I really need to see a counselor. Yeah. So, and I, you know, it was actually the lady that I go to see for abdominal massage because we will have a, like a little sit down talk session beforehand, mm-hmm. what's going on and stuff. And she, you know, she was like, well, do you talk to anyone? And I was like, well, what do you mean? I, talking to you I talk, you know I've seen a counselor before that would be no like <laughs> and she was like well you know we have these you know I have these tools that I'm helping you with but I feel like you know maybe a counselor would have some additional tools that could help you too and you know yeah so I just kind of like I was like okay we need to pause for a while and work on that too because if I'm not mentally prepared, then right. Yeah. And we want you to be physically prepared for this next pregnancy, right? You know what, you know what it's like to kind of power through it. And, um, our bodies are amazing and they can do that up to a point. And then there's, there's, you know, consequences for it, you know, and if we could eliminate some of those consequences, that would be great. And, and, um, I think that, you know, I just want, to acknowledge that you 
even though you've spent a lot of time avoiding some of the stuff, you've also spent some time, you know, trying to nurture yourself back. You, you've invested in, you know, some really cool resources to help you. And it is hard when um, a medical professional says, I don't know if you're quite strong enough for this next step. That's really hard to hear. But often they're telling you stuff you already know. You just didn't want to hear it. it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like when I, when I acknowledge to somebody, you're just not strong enough to do that yet. Or what you're experiencing is weakness. It's like insulting at first they're insulted. And I was like, did you think you were strong? And they're like, no, I just don't want you to tell me that I'm weak. And and the problem is weakness is fixable. You know, it's not a permanent condition. It's a temporary situation. But if we pretend that it's not there, then how will we ever address it? Right. And that's the same with this disconnect component of your rehab process. There's a reason that you have disconnected. You know, I, I say sometimes that numbness and disconnect is a refuge. It's a lifeline. It's, it's your, it's your, it's your, you know, um, you know, flotation device to keep you above water. And it's the ability to press pause on something that's too much to continue at that intensity. You need to just press pause, but you can't live in pause. You know, you can't, you can't shut down everything and expect for some things to keep going. Um, But it's scared to hit the play button because the first thing you're going to replay is kind of the hard stuff that you avoided in the first place. Um, But there's a process. And I think that um, understanding that process of, well, first understanding that there is a physical component to the grief that you've experienced. And that's, you know, it, there's a trauma piece, but there's, there's the grief piece, the loss, the scared times, the, the fact that you did miss out on some of your kids childhood, you know, and, and all of that, recognizing that the loss of that is um, heavy. And I think first acknowledging it and then knowing, okay, this is hard. Acknowledging that, like it, not pretending like that nothing happened or pretending that it wasn't hard. Um, Cause that, that doesn't really do anybody any favors, right? You can no. only lie, you can only lie to yourself for so long until, you know, your body knows the truth, <laughs> right? You yeah. know, and so. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then the next stage is recognize what are, what's the next step back? What's the first next step back? And you've taken a lot of good first steps, you know, even just committing, you know, starting core foundations, even if, you know, some of it's been really hard doing the abdominal massage, super hard, super important, you know, seeking out counseling doing the the chinese medicine all of those things are really good steps and i think that if you can um if we can spend a little bit of time just uh kind of go going into the painful things so that you can come out of it you know like we stuff it and store it inside and it it's going to 
you can either choose when you open the door or it seeps out in ways we don't want it to, right? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so making that choice has some power, kind of like your birth with your son. You know, it was it was it didn't make it easier. A home birth is not easy, you know birth is not easy, but you got some choices in it. So going forward in this process, even though it's not going to be easy, you get to decide, you know, that you, you can, and, and doing some of that investment is an investment in your future and in your family's future. Right. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that, that it's, you know, it's not just me, it's my family too. Um, and we kind of, you know, in true fashion, you know, I waited the six months, but kind of went ahead anyways with doing the transfer and that failed, mm-hmm. um, back in October. And of course, you know, that's just, you know, you have all the emotions of a miscarriage without the physical signs of it. Right. And so I'm kind of, I feel like here lately I've been kind of back at not necessarily square one, but you know, trying to like assess this better and taking proper steps. And so that's kind of, you know, I've been mulling around in my mind. Okay, well, I need to take better care of myself so I can run and play with my children. And so I can enjoy time with them instead of all, you know, I feel horrible because my back hurts or, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like because I have prolapse, I feel like something's going to drop out. Right. (laughs) You know, Um, so I just, I, you know, I need to, I look at those things and it's just, sometimes you just feel like you hit a wall on it. You just need to take that leap, but that that first leap into it is like, oh, okay. I don't know. And sometimes it's hard to know what the next best step is, you know, because we powered through for so long and we think powering through is going to work again. Um, and and honestly, often the next best step for a lot of people is way slower and way a much smaller step than they thought. Um, and and so so you know I think that you know when when people um, have similar stories to you and and uh, you know where we it feels kind of like this overwhelming storm to step into. It's like understanding, okay, it can be baby steps and baby steps are still really effective. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, I did this podcast interview, uh, a while back with my sister-in-law actually, who, you know, she has like free resources to me all the time. And she, she, um, did not, you know, she, she, I offered her lots and lots of resources and she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. And, and she told me, and this was really eye opening and really in, insightful from her, but eye opening to me. She told me, she goes, I needed personally to deal with the emotional stuff before I could deal with the physical stuff. Like I needed to do that. And, and it was really good. It was good. It took her a while to figure that out. Cause she felt like she was a failure. Like I have this resource you know, and I'm, I'm just not doing it. And it's right here. And she's giving it to me for free. And she's at my, she would answer my call anytime I could have access to her anytime, but I can't do it. And for her to acknowledge once she had done some of the emotional work, 
she was open up to do the physical work. And, and, you know, I, I often see people the reverse where they needed to do the physical work to recognize that there was additional emotional work, um, to do. So it can go in either direction. And sometimes you're going along and you need to kind of pause and go over here and deal with something and then come back and then pause and go over here and deal with something and come back. And, and that journey doesn't have to be a straight line, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I can be a bit of perfectionist sometimes on some things and I'm like, it has to be done this way. And mm-hmm. like, I know it doesn't in reality have to be done that way, but that's just in my mind's eye. I'm like, okay, it's gotta be this way or no way at all. Mm-hmm. And that all or nothing ends up being a little bit of all and a lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, yourself. You going, yeah, when you go in all or nothing, you know, you set yourself, can set yourself up for failure big time. Because for me, like if I do it, then I'm like, in in it and then if I stop like say a week goes by that I haven't been able to do something then I'm like okay I'm done with that yeah because how am I going to figure out how to get this back in how does this work again yeah or yeah it's that kind of mentality for me you know what yeah yeah (laughs) and you know I've I've recently learned that um People that are struggling with that really struggle with our course because the course is so comprehensive and I give you so many different things to be thinking about that not every person has to do every single one of those things, but perfectionists don't take that. They, they have to do it all. And so, and, and so what I've, I've recently been doing when um, people, you know, are asking me about the course, I ask them some questions about their personality because for some people, they might actually do better with a series of e-sessions where I just give them three to five things to do every two weeks. This is it. I want you to focus on these three things with these two little optional things. That's it. And um, if we can work on some consistency, then we can do the next thing. And, and, and then it's like they don't we 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 find these action steps where you can find some progress and you're moving forward um without getting sabotaged. Well, what about this? What about that? And I'm I'm easily able to say that's important, but it's not the priority. Understanding the difference between important and priority. Important and priority. Not everything can be a priority. Yeah. That's what that's the definition of priorities, right? <laughs> there's a lot of important things out there that are not my priority. Right. And it's okay to make priorities and set priorities and those priorities shift and they're different for everybody. Like for some people, you know, their priority is to nurse for a really long time. And for other people, their priority is to get their strength back sooner for some people, you know, it's just some people, the priority is to, to co-sleep and other people, the priority is to, have their kids sleep in their own bed. Everybody has a different priority. And so we just work within that. And I think that, I think that that's going to be the next step for you, honestly, is um, helping you um, not self-sabotage and yes. look at just really small, meaningful steps to move forward. And, um, and that's going to be, that's going to be where you find the most success. I think you'll eventually cover all the steps. Um but they'll be the ones most meaningful to you and you're not wasting your time. 
I don't want to say that anything's a waste of time in the course, but you're not, you know, you're not distracted by things that are good for you and missing the things that were really great for you. Right. Um, and, and so I think that that's part of it. And then I think the other thing is when we look at in our grief recovery course, you know, the, the whole, the whole premise is on helping you connect, um, connect to your body physically without this overreaction or the underreaction, you know, without everything tensing up and freaking out, like something traumatic is going to happen or without feeling dead and numb and disconnected and disassociating. Right. Those are our two extremes in our survival strategy toolbox. But there's another middle ground where we're grounded, present, and, you know, in charge of our experience and connected to our body and, and trying to help you kind of reclaim your body from, you know, all of these experiences and help you feel yourself again. It The feeling yourself doesn't immediately give you the strength you need to not have back pain. Feeling yourself doesn't immediately solve your prolapse problems. But without feeling, it's hard to address either of those effectively and completely, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a certain part of you that's moving through the motions in numbness that you can't access those deep stabilizing muscles those deep stabilizing muscles are too busy holding on to the pain, grief, and sadness that they can't do another job right now. And so we kind of need to release some of that pain, griefness, and sadness and reclaim those muscles to help you move forward in the the life that you have before you, right? To stay in the moment because we get stuck in the past or in the what ifs of the future and we we lose the moment, you know, and we don't see it until we're beyond it. And we're like, Oh, I missed that thing too. Right. So procrastination is a, is a, is a tricky thing because sometimes we do need to hit pause, but I always, I'm, I'm, I'm consistently reminding people that the, the consequences of trauma have already robbed a lot of your, your life and your family experiences. And you don't want it to rob anymore. No. Right. So in, in the amount of rehab that you've experienced, cause you've hit some, some roadblocks and some, some speed bumps. Are there, are there any key things that have felt like they've been the most impactful for you to kind of start feeling your body or start feeling hope in your body again? Um, I know I did notice like, my back pain did get better. So that was nice. And that's kind of why I wanted to like, you know, pursue getting into things again. I do have like some of the things that tools that you taught in there, like the calf stretch, I still do that daily. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to try to lay and do arms out daily just Mm -hmm. because my posture is horrible. Well, Um, and also like the breast cancer and all the trauma to your chest muscles, kind of the chest opening exercises and releases are really, and the nursing and the parenting and the protective posturing, it's all wrapped up in there. So those are really good things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I did enjoy that. It was like, you know, little pieces and stacking the habits on themselves. It's Mm -hmm. just, I think, you know, with everything else, it just 
you know, and the emotions coming up, it just kind of derailed me. Um, and I, I felt like I was having, um, a hard time, like with the, um, breaths because the holds, because I felt like I was bracing more than actually like doing, like bring the tummy in. And I've been kind of playing around with that. Um, just thinking about it and I'm like, Oh, I think I finally have that now. Yeah. And that, I think that's one of the biggest, the biggest compensation patterns from people that have had to endure a lot of stress is they've learned how to kind of bear up, you know, and tense up and power through it. And that tension we mistake for strength. Yeah. Right. And it's, 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 we, we, that full elongating exhale that lengthens you it almost is a vulnerable position to lengthen open and expose and open your chest and expose your core and to be in that open elongated position that feels very vulnerable to people that protective posturing has been their way of life. And, but it's, it's that, it's that trick, right? Because we need that vulnerability and that exposure to access the strength that actually gives you confidence and power to move forward. Right. And so it's that, 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 um, tricky thing. I think honestly, if you could, what, what I try to do is, is put together like little small clusters of things so that you, you have, um, a release, so a stretch of some kind, some connection, so some abdominal massage, and then a breath and an elongation. And if you can kind of like marry those three things together into three to five little pockets in your day. So like, for instance, maybe you do, you know, kind of an overhead reach stretch, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you come down and you do just a couple of sweeping motions across your tummy to connect. And then a nice, we exhale and you only hold for like five seconds, but you do like three of them in a row. That kind of is resets your posture, resets your connection. And then you move on to the next thing. It's not like something that's going to take a big portion of your day. Then maybe another one of your things is you do the door frame stretch. You know, and then you do a little, it's all going to come back to abdominal massage each time, a little counter pressure on your tummy and then a couple belly breaths, transverse holds, and then you move forward. So you kind of put, you don't feel like I have to do all the stretches all at once. I have to do all the things all at once, but I'm going to sprinkle in my day these moments where I take the breath, slow down my system, stretch, elongate, open up and then feel where I'm in at this moment and then move on. And if we can kind of sprinkle those into your day, it seems like, oh, I could do that, right? Do that three, four times a day, but you're consistent. You mark, you, you connect it to something that you're already doing. So it doesn't feel like a chore. It just feels like it piggybacks onto when I brush my teeth, I go ahead and do this. Right after I put the baby down for a nap, I go ahead and do this. Right before I get into bed, I go ahead and do this. So it starts to begin to be part of just the routine of how you move through your life. Then, then we start to see some cumulative effect of what's going on. You feel like you're, 
you're not stuck, you're moving forward and you don't get sabotaged by like having to be perfect. Right. Yeah. 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 Those are the strategies that help people get over the speed bump. So, and I guess I do have a question too. I know like you talk about like thinking of your posture as like your royalty walking around Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, it, it never crossed my mind about this, but like when doing the course, it just kind of came to me more so recently when doing the course, I was kind of doing that. And I'd read you talked about like this recently or read somewhere you stating that recently. And when I was doing the course, it was like, oh, I'm great. But then I realized like when I was around others, I just couldn't do it. Mm. And, you know, part of that vulnerability too is because once you've had something that takes place to your body that's visible, it seems like it's open to anyone else to be like, Oh, well, look at that. Oh, look at that. Um, you know, for instance, my mother-in-law, when I had the expander in and they overexpand, you know, that side was way bigger than the other side. And she mm-hmm. was just like, Oh wow. That's, that side's a lot bigger than the other side. Like, you're like, you don't really, I'm not giving you permission to comment on that. <laughs> I was just like, you know, thinking to myself, I'm like, why would she say that? But I know maybe in her mind, she was trying to be helpful. Like, oh, well, they need to fix that. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't notice it or something, mm-hmm. but I knew it, but they had done it purposely that way. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, things like that. And, you know, over the years, just other stuff too. And I've kind of, you know, have drawn into myself yes. like that when being around other people and it's fine. I'm at home by myself and I'm like, Oh, okay. Or with my kids or my husband, but even sometimes with my husband, I'm just kind of, you know, I just, yeah, it's a protective posturing thing yeah. that happens and it can happen for lots of reasons. Like this is a, your, your reasoning is, you know, very clear and obvious why that would happen. But, you know, some people just, they developed early when they were kids or they were raised in a really conservative um, religion and they feel like standing up like that is like flaunting themselves. There's all kinds of weird things that process in our head when, when we're thinking of being confident that we're, it may, you know, invite things and we want to protect ourselves from that. So, you know, I think that you even you even acknowledging it and noticing it is the first step. You being aware that your body wants to protect in that moment almost sets you up for like a strategy when you get there. Like, you know, when you know you're going to be in an environment of thinking about what you're going to think in your head. I I want to stand tall and be proud of what my body has been through and how my body has has kept me alive, you know, what I've been able to survive. And I'm going to stand up proud of that. Um, And then also, you know, be okay putting boundaries on people. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one for sure. Yeah. You don't want to hurt them. And you, I think there's gentle ways of saying things of being able to, to, um, you know, just say, I don't really feel comfortable about talking about that, you know, and then just move on to something, you know, else like, you know, 
we don't have to dwell here. They don't have to apologize 10 times. You can just kind of say, tell me what's going on. Like I, I like to have things planned in my head to redirect the conversation with a question for them to talk about so that we don't have to, you know, tell me about your new car. Tell me about how preschool's going for Jimmy, you know, like something that's going to, you know, or I always wanted to get that recipe for you from cornbread. <laughs> Let's move on, you know, and, and, um, and then you don't have to hover there, but you've made that boundary. And then you, and you're saying, I'm moving on. You, we don't need to hover here. We can just keep going, but um, recognize that, you know, you have a lot to be proud of with what your body has, you know, you've endured a lot, but you've endured it and you're, you're here you know, and you're still moving forward. So, so feel, feel the confidence of that um, and, and own that and share that. And that's really empowering. Okay. All right. I, this has been an interesting podcast. It's been fun to get to know you and to like hear your story, but no, it's like, everyone's different and every podcast is different. And I think this is interesting because I'm, I'm asking people to share specifically where trauma has caused a speed bump or a roadblock in their journey. But you guys have not had a chance to experience our other resources yet. But a lot of it is just understanding people's starting point. We all have a starting point and knowing what resources are there. So when the course is available, we'll talk about how we can get that resource to you and see if that's a a next step for you. But um, is there something that so far, I I imagine you have learned a lot already on this journey. Um, Is there anything that you would like to share that you wish other people knew? I think even just you sharing that maybe it's not your place to comment on other people's body after they've had breast cancer. I think that's a really valuable piece of information to share. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, that is boundaries. And it's kind of like people asking you if you're pregnant when you're not pregnant. Like, you know, that's not, that's not okay. Thank you. But yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I mean, I just, you know, I, like I said, I've been blessed with everything that I've gone through and, you know, the Lord's really looked out for me and I just, you know, I'm thankful to have found the resources that I found your system and, um, everything. And just, um, it's been an incredible journey and, you know, yeah, boundaries are a big thing and you don't realize until you don't have them, how huge they are. Mm. Yeah. 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 That is a big thing for sure. (laughs) Well, I think that's part of the trauma, right? Is that when you are in situations where you're vulnerable, exposed and at the mercy of medical professionals or others, especially when it's some of the most intimate personal parts of your body. I mean, any part of your body for sure. But I think, you know, your breasts, you know, your reproductive organs, these are really intimate parts of your body that when they're, they feel open to everybody else, it's hard. It's hard. And kind of reclaiming that and, and allowing this to be you again and having some control over that is I think going to be a really important part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks so much for sharing. 
Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope that this was helpful for you. I think everybody's story is really empowering. And I'm going to add some additional resources that we have at the Tommy team to help you. If you feel like after listening to Stephanie's story that you can relate to trauma or different things that have happened in your life and you want to know how to move forward, we're going to give you some resources in our podcast notes. So also just always check out what we're doing at thetummyteam.com. We also have a really great newsletter where we send out helpful resources and little tips that you can do every day. And we want to be um, a light in the darkness for you guys. So check out what we do. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live. Thank you.